0: Certainly was a blessing to be here. Thus far, a big thank you to each one who let out in their our little Christmas story this morning. Christmas was four days ago. I think it's a day we look forward to, look forward to for a long time. I know I do. Uh, one, I think it was Zach. I mentioned some people are glad when Christmas is over. I don't. I like the days prior to the excitement leading up to it. But it's passed for this year, and if I did my homework correctly, it's only 362 days away until Christmas of 2020, so we have something to look forward to there. But I trust our main focus throughout the season, as was mentioned this morning, is on Jesus Christ, and also we will continue to keep him first in our lives. Another aspect of Christmas is the the idea of of giving. And maybe that comes from the wise men that we saw here this morning, how... uh, they brought gifts to Jesus, and many times as we think about, about giving, a little bit of planning goes in so that we can give just the right gift to that special someone on our list, and although at times we, uh, we keep the receipts just in case, however, we put a lot of effort into purchasing just the right gift that will meet the approval of the one who's receiving it. Over the years, I had a called a bad habit, but I would take my gift, whether at Christmas, whether the time of the year, and I'd shake a little bit, try to figure out what's in it before I opened it. And when we had younger children, much to my wife's dismay, I would kind of ask them what I'm what I'm getting before I even open it. And sometimes the answer was given. And not always pleasing to everyone else who was there. But We try to give gifts that meet the approval of the person who is receiving it. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 is a very familiar verse. And there's a good possibility that some of you have this verse hanging in your homes. But it speaks about meeting God's approval with our character. The verse speaks about, about meeting the approval of our Heavenly Father by the way, and with the way that we conduct our lives, Second Timothy two fifteen, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's my message title for this morning: Approved unto God. So think along them lines. Everyone here this morning has an opinion, right? We all have things that that meet our approval. And there are some things that don't measure up to our standards. When it comes to to tools, I have my opinion. There are some tools, you can talk about tape measures, hammers, tin snips, tool belts, I have my opinion. And while maybe not all right or all wrong, there's some things that meet my approval and some don't. What about clothing for an example? If a shirt or a pair of pants or a dress meets your approval, you wear it often. If you're like me, doesn't meet my approval, stays in the closet, stays in the drawer. A While later my wife says, why aren't you wearing that? Well, it just quite doesn't measure up or meet my opinion, my approval. My wife told me one time, or told me that one of our children refused to wear a certain outfit when they were two years old. Uh, Not sure what was wrong with it, but simply didn't meet the child's approval. And now let me pause for a second. I'm not saying that we are parents, let our two-year-olds tell us what they're going to wear. But that's just to meet the child's approval. And also you will notice I didn't say he or she, I said the child. So we'll let you take care of that as you will. Although I'm learning that uh, children are very particular with what they wear. But think uh, think along these lines, what are God's thoughts about our character? Are we meeting God's approval? Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 was written when Paul was in prison. And in spite of his dismal circumstances, his primary concern was for Timothy and his ministry. And throughout this letter, he admonishes Timothy, Timothy, never be ashamed of the gospel. And Timothy, you need to persevere in faith and obedience. If, uh, if you look in the front of, I mean, right a little... Introduction to the to the book, we see it was written between A.D. 66 and 67. And one place I read that Paul was beheaded in Rome in May or June of 68. So this was written just a few a year or two before he passed away, before he was killed. And the last words of people are often treasured by their loved ones. So this book, which includes the verse we're looking at this morning, are kind of like Paul's last words to Timothy. To, to summarize this verse, Paul saying, Timothy, my days are numbered, and you're going to be here after I am gone. But of utmost importance, Timothy, make sure your character is in, approved in the eyes of God. Study the word, Timothy. Be, be a diligent worker for the Lord. Handle the word of God correctly, and you have nothing to be ashamed of when you meet the Lord on Judgment Day. A few weeks ago, I was seeking the Lord for a message for this morning and come across this and just felt the Spirit leading me to have a message about our character. A few quotes on character. Um, Rick Warren, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than He is in making your life happy. And I was told uh, a few weeks ago that Dr. James Dobson had a, a quote very similar to that. But the quote is not saying that God doesn't care about our well-being. That's not at all what he's saying. But he's saying our character is more important than our circumstances. So ask yourself the question this morning, who are you? Well, I'm Leon. Yes, but who am I? D.L. Moody says, character is what a man is in the dark. And we could go from that quote and say, character is a real you when you're not in a church pew. Who are you? And not just this morning, I see you this morning, but who are you? Uh, we go the, back to the Moody's quote, when you, in the dark. Who are you when no one's around? A favorite president, Mr. Abraham Lincoln, said, character is a tree and, a, and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is a real thing. And Billy Graham says, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. When character is lost, all is lost. So we're not going to ask for responses, but just ask yourself the question, who are you? And also, as we go through the message this morning, ask yourself the question over and over again, who am I? Am I approved in the eyes of God? So... The Bible gives a lot of give clear direction for a for character that's approved in the eyes of God, and we're just going to look at four points this morning, and yes, I'm aware, aware that there are many more. Point number one is simply put off. Point number two is put on. Point number three is nonconformity, and point number four is bearing fruit. So for... First two points, you can turn to Colossians chapter 3. Here we have the subject of casting off the old sin nature and putting on love. As was first and second Timothy, Colossians is also another book from the pen of Paul, and it could be viewed as more words of wisdom or... Guidelines lines for, for a character that is approved in the eyes of God. And we can also think of uh, the fruit of the Spirit in, in Galatians 5. Some clear direction there as well. And that will be evident in the life of the Spirit-filled person. We can see there we have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. Obviously a goal that we're to be working towards And hopefully, many are producing today. However, here we're going to look at a few things that we need to put off. We need to look at a few things we're going to discard in order to reach the goal listed back there in the fruit of the Spirit. And the evils that we're going to look at here this morning are not so much as gross sins of the flesh, but more subtle, sinful tendencies of the Spirit that we need to avoid. Point number one, put off Colossians 3, verses 8 and 9. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds. Again, a few things listed here that we are going to put off. The first one is listed as anger, smoldering resentment, deep-seated ill will, a display of bad temper. Again, character it meets God approval. Here are some things that do not. Wrath. Storms of uncontrolled temper. The reaction to a situation which quickly comes to a boiling point. Throwing stuff. Malice. Vicious nature. Grudges bent on doing harm. Blasphemy. slanderous speech usually against God. Filthy communication. Do we need to describe? Low, obscene, dirty talk. And line, any untrue statement or any action intended to cause an incorrect impression. So, we come to the end of this year, and looking forward to next year, ask yourself the question, as God looks down upon us this morning, what does He see? And I trust we have already put off what we listed here this morning, a short list of actions that we saw as God will not approve And actions that we look over these, they require repentance and forgiveness and need to be put off. If one or more of these areas here are describing you, it's an action that needs to be taken care of. It's not a character trait that we can feel comfortable living with. It could be a sin that few people know about, but if it is an area evident in your life, then it's laying wide open in the eyes of God. And it's the one, he is the one who we're trying to live in approval of and live at peace with. So but just stop for a moment and think, yes, we're coming to the end of the year, but what is our main goal in life? Do you ever ask yourself the question? I know where you're at this morning. I know where you'll be shortly after 12, most likely around the table. I don't know the rest of your plans. Tomorrow, where will you be? Probably off a little bit on Tuesday, probably off Wednesday. But what is your main goal in life? Is it not, above all else, to please God? Did God put you here for no other reason than to know Him and to make Him known? Is that why we're here? How about to live a life of obedience to His Word? Is that where you're at? Are you looking forward to the day when we meet Him face to face and to be welcomed into His glory? Our life on earth is too short to live dishonestly and in sin. Our life on earth is too short to live dishonestly and in sin. During a recent purchase, the seller suggested that, why don't we just tell the notary a lower number than the actual selling price so you can save on your taxes. And maybe some people jump at this opportunity, but many forget to think about the day we will be asked on Judgment Day, we ask about that, that few dollars you saved way, way back in that purchase, and in reality, we cheated our government. Question, what's a righteous judge gonna say to you, and what's a righteous judge gonna say to me on that final judgment day? Is my life approved in the eyes of God? Let's go on to some things we need to put on. Colossians three, you're still there. Let's read verse 10. So we put off eight, nine, Verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The deeds of the old man, the sinful nature described in the previous verses, are put off. And this new man, as we see we're talking about now, is a new life we have in Christ, with Christ dwelling within our hearts, a new life pattern after true righteousness and true holiness. The character traits in verses eight and nine were not were evident in our lives prior to meeting our relationship with Christ. But after our conversion experience, we put off the sinful nature. And our lives are filled with the Spirit, which is the very nature of Christ. I think that's key we need to look at very carefully. We need to be filled with the very, and we are filled with the Spirit, which is the very nature of Christ. Are you representing Christ in each and every aspect of your life? In the light and in the dark, are you representing Christ? And now that our lives have been changed... We will not, we're not going to live in Christ and feed the deeds of the flesh. But the Bible tells us we're going to crucify the deeds of the flesh and, and of the old man. And in return, what are we going to do? We're going to hunger after th- hunger and thirst after righteousness. What are we filling our lives with today? What are we filling our lives with? Is this Is verse 10 describing you and I? The new man is put on with renewed knowledge. Now we're tapping into the spirit filled with wisdom and knowledge and after the image of our creator. Again, key key ingredient in our walk with the Lord, we are to reflect the image, the likeness of our creator. So are your actions and your words and everything about you reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ. His character was not not listed back in verses 8 and 9, but when we are truly living and reflecting His image, our lives will be free of what we looked at in them previous verses, and we will clearly mirror His image. It won't be a muddled picture, it'll be a clear image of who He is. And when we're reflecting His image, we can be confident that we're living with God's stamp of approval on our lives. More put on in verse 12 through 15. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is a bond of of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which you are also called in one body, and be ye thankful." number of put-ons here number one is uh says bows of mercies or affections emotions of mercy we're to have a sympathetic heart one that feels for the needs of others putting others ahead of ourselves serving others and meeting their needs are we are we describing you here with these with these uh character traits second one is kindness the act of being generous and thoughtful towards others See here, a lot of these about our response to others it can be referred to an unselfish act, the thoughtful word, or a, just a word of encouragement. An unknown writer says, I expect to pass through this life but once. If therefore there be any kindness I can show or any good thing I can do to any fellow being, let me do it now, for I shall not pass this way again. Brothers and sisters, let's seize the opportunities to be kind one to another. It has been said in my studies, I found out two, two things here, well, a number of them, but here I would like to uh, have, read two. We can have any kindness in any amount that we choose. So that responsibility comes back on us. And the second one, although it may, we may not be able to, to control our outward looks, we can control the attractiveness, attractiveness of our character. So I can't change my appearance, but what about the attractiveness of my character? Another one we see is humbleness, humbleness of mind, speaking of a modest opinion of oneself. People are, who are humble are aware of their human limitations. Humility is the exact opposite of pride, arrogance, and conceit. And what we're looking at here is character traits that reflect the image of Christ, And we're going to go to just, I'd like to read just a few verses from the book of Philippians, which Jim is going through, Philippians 2, 5 to 8, speaking of mirroring the image of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What did he do? Made himself of no reputation, took upon him in the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." What can we conclude from that? Humility will reflect the image of the master. If we want a character trait, we want a character that's approved in the eyes of God, we're gonna be a humble people. Verse, 13, verse 12 also has the word meekness, which is included in the fruit of the Spirit. It means submission before God. It means a spirit that accepts God's dealing with us as good. I know in the past we talked a good bit about circumstances. Are we meek? in the way God is dealing with us. It speaks of quiet submission that does not insist on its own rights. And I had to think about Jesus, our prime example. What were his thoughts? What was he thinking while hanging on the cross? Was it about himself or about his rights? No. Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, he's hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Pain, suffering, agony, he said, Lord... Just just forgive them. The end of verse 12 is long-suffering, another character trait that's included in the fruit of the Spirit. In, in the day that we're living in, with information at our fingertips, the expectation of instant gratification, road rage, fast food restaurants, and the list could go on, a long-suffering, pers- a long-suffering person can be difficult to locate. But are we, here this morning, are we long-suffering? Long-suffering is a spirit that does not let us lose our patience with our fellow human beings. A long-suffering person exhibits a spirit of patience no matter how stressful a situation may be. I confess sometimes that's hard. But no matter how how stressful a situation may be, we need to exhibit a spirit of patience. When we lose our patience with others, we bring distress to the heart of God. So what's the difference between long-suffering and patience? Long-suffering is long patience, patient endurance of insult, abuse, and mistreatment, while patience is a quality of being patient. And since God is long-suffering to us, should we too not be long-suffering and exercise long-suffering towards others? Verse 13 says, forgiving one another. Forgiving, simply stated, holding nothing against. Matthew six fourteen and 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, we need to be careful that we don't rate one of these character traits over or above another, but I think we would all agree that this is one area that we need to be quick to practice. Just real quickly, reflect back over the past five years of your life. 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18. Just reflect real quickly. How many times did your Heavenly Father forgive you? Or forgive me? How many times did we stand in need of forgiveness? Should we not also, as He forgave us, should we not also be willing to forgive others? And even today, we may need, Him to, ask, we need to ask Him for forgiveness. And possibly tomorrow again. The point is, we all stand in need of forgiveness. But when we hesitate or refuse To forgive someone who has wronged us. What happens according to Matthew 6? The Lord cannot forgive us. Unforgiveness does not meet God's approval. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and there will be no bitterness in heaven. Folks, we need to be quick to forgive. We need to be quick to forgive. Do we have that character trait within us already? Verse 14, and above all these things, I just mentioned we shouldn't put one above another, but here the Bible says, above all, put on charity. Put on love. It's a First Corinthians kind of love. It's a deliberate deliberate effort to seek the welfare of others. And so much that's listed here, I repeat, is how our response to others. We looked this morning about our response to Christmas. Here we see response to others. A little crippled boy was rushing to catch a train. In the press of the crowd, he had real difficulty using his crutches, especially because he was carrying a basket full of fruit and candy. As the passengers rushed along, One of them hit his basket by mistake, knocking oranges and apples and candy bars in all directions. The man who caused the accident paused long enough to scold the boy, the lad, for getting in his way. Another gentleman, seeing the boy's distress, went to his aid. He picked up the fruit and candy and added a silver dollar to the collection and said, "'I'm sorry, Sonny. I hope this makes up a little.' The little fellow seldom, seldom received such kindness. He called after the man and said, "'Mister, are you Jesus?' The reply came back, no, but I'm one of his followers. Do we have that kind of love for others? And Paul lists a a number of garments that we're to put on, but the final one here is love. And love is the garment that holds all the other virtues in place. Then the phrase, above all, indicates supreme importance of this virtue. Above all, put on charity. I had to think again at the end of this, of this point about reflecting the image of Christ. Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when we think about his love for us, I often go back to this verse. We were yet in sin. And he said, you know, I'll, I'll die for Leon. And that's exactly what he did. And 1 John 4.19 says, We love him because he first loved us. Are we shedding his love to others as well? For the third point, we're going to go to Romans 12 and on nonconformity. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Here we see it says, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we could stop there and go on for a while, but the point is on nonconformity, taken from verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Real quick, we're presenting our bodies living sacrifices is verse 1 you, holy acceptable unto God is verse 2 you, proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God remember we're thinking about ways of earning to earn God's approval with our character, be not conformed conforming to the world is going with the flow, adopting with the fads and fashions of the world fitting into their mold and accepting their lifestyle but the term be not conformed is a principle that applies to our actions and our words and our attitude as well as our character and it's interesting that Paul mentioned that how he wrote that verse 2 obviously following verse 1 he gives us clear direction in verse 1 but he said oh by the way don't conform to the world's mold not to adopt their standards that we see in the world today but be ye transformed and that refers not so much to the initial divine act, the new birth or conversion experience, as it does you know, daily spiritual growth, which follows the initial step of our faith in Christ. Are we growing in this direction? One who is transformed keeps on becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. Our life is, is a journey. We start off with babes in Christ, and we grow and grow and grow. And the goal is to become more and more like him. Today he ushers us into his presence so we can meet him face to face. To transform it to make a thorough or drastic change in the form, appearance, or character of. Are you the same person you were prior to meeting Christ? I'm sure you could say you were not. And are you different? And are you continuing to grow more and more in him? Do we find ourselves this morning as in the end of verse 2 there, our lives are proving and producing the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are God's standards too high for us to attain? They are not. God gives us the power to live this way. We have to have it within us that we want to. And I trust we find ourselves in verse 2, just living in the center of God's will. Guardrails are there for a reason. They're to keep people from falling over the edge. I trust we're not rubbing them, but we're in the center of God's will and meeting his approval. And think about it. The glory of the thought. Where else would we want to be other than right where God wants us to be? Wherever that is for you this morning. Are you fulfilling the role he has called you to fill? And are you living in peace with him? There's a lot more that could be said there. We're going to continue on to the last point, and that is uh, in bearing fruit in John 15. Here we have more familiar verses. John 15, we have words of Jesus. Verses 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman." Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So this morning, as children of God, just consider yourself a branch that is connected to Jesus Christ, which is the true vine. And take note, number one, branches with no fruit will be taken away. Number two, branches... Bearing fruit will not be left alone to coast through life without being touched. So as a branch in Christ, if you're not bearing fruit, you'll be cut off and discarded. And if you are, he he won't just walk by and say, good job, and keep on going. It says, those bearing fruit are going to be purged. Purge or prune just like a wine dresser prunes a vine, so the Lord prunes and purifies His people. Remember, our lives are a continuation. We don't become a, a, a child of God and we put it in park and sit there for the next 50 years. We continue, continue on. To prune a plant is to cut off and remove living or dead parts of the plant in order to stimulate further growth. Do we ever come to the point where we bear enough of fruit? I can't answer that question. But I think the Lord is saying, I'm going to continue to trim you just to stimulate more growth. You can produce more fruit and more fruit and more fruit. Think of the Lord just pruning us, and at times it may hurt. But the reason for that Lord allows affliction and trouble is to make us more fruitful in holiness. Remember in the New Testament one time that they asked Jesus, "Jesus, who sinned that this man was born like this?" And Jesus said, "No, nah, n- neither." But that, the, that his word, that his name could be honored and glorified. So wherever you find yourself this morning, why? Who did I do wrong? The Lord is using that just to stimulate more and more growth. Trials are trials are used by the Lord to make Christians more holy. Is the quote I, I had found. The Lord's not done with you. He's not done with me. We're here yet. Clayton Shake's work is finished, but we can continue on producing more and more fruit. Trials are intended to to wean us from the world. Yeah, we're here today. We're in Town. We're in this world. We're not going to become part of it. Trials are intended just to... When we go through a, a trial or a situation and we see the Lord at work, it draws us closer and closer to Him. You with me? It weans us from the world and it draws us closer to Christ and is designed to make us humble. So, yeah, we may be producing fruit, but the Lord sees an area that could use some trimming. Why? According to verse 2, it's so we can bring forth even more fruit, obviously, for His honor and for His glory, and I look at that. It's, what it is is a beautiful picture of God's love for His children. I'm going to trim a little here. I'm going to cut a little there, and then we're going to be approved unto God. If you're there in verse 15, in chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. It says, "Now you are clean to the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in Me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in the vine. I am the vine." ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. We're called to live lives that are open and transparent. And if we say, Well, I'm not gonna hide this and gonna hide that, the fact is God knows about it anyway. But are we that kind of people? Is there any dishonesty within us that we're not confessing of? It says, our Father, verse 8 says, our Father is glorified and we will be His disciples. There we see the stamp of approval upon our lives. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to serve thyself approved unto God. Are you a workman that needeth not to be ashamed? Are you taking and handling the Word of God correctly? As we think about character this morning, did you ever wonder about the character of Mary, the mother of Jesus? Do you think she mastered everything that we looked at this morning, plus more? Do you remember what the angel told her in Luke 1? Luke 1.28, the angel came to Mary and said, "Hail." And how did she get to this point? It says this, Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And I think if I'd ask you to raise your hand, each one of us would have that desire within us that the Lord would say that about us. We are highly favored, the Lord is with us. It starts by, first of all, putting off and then putting on and living in reality of and bearing fruit. As we reflect on 2019, a few more days here, and look forward to 2020, I close with a question. Is my life, is your life, approved in the eyes of God? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, and God, we're just grateful for your word and for the clear direction that you provided for us. Lord, this morning as, as we look around here in the congregation, we see each other. But as you look down from on high, Lord, you see us and you see our character. And Lord, my desire is that each one here is living in a way that would please you and meet in your approval. Lord, if there's any sin within, I pray, Lord, that each one here will be quick to ask for forgiveness and to repent. And Lord, as we go forth from here, the rest of this year and in the next year, and as long as you give us life, Lord, may our lives reflect your image. Lord, may we be clear, clean mirrors for you, God, as we reflect your image. Grant us wisdom and direction. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Song, please.